I have never seen God ever shut a door that he doesn't open another door that actually takes me higher. Amen? And today I want to share some things about visions and dreams. And uh, I want to talk to you because every believer is to have visions and dreams. The Bible says in Proverbs, it says, without a vision, the people perish. Another translation says that without a vision, people cast off restraints. And it also says, without a vision, people will wander aimlessly. God doesn't want you to wander. He doesn't want you to cast off. It's a vision that motivates you. I had a person just uh, uh, this past week say, Pastor Ray, how did you lose 70 pounds? Well, I told him there was some pain involved. Amen. How many of you know there's no gain without some pain? Amen. I had to change and I had to push the reset button in my brain about pain. I didn't know this about myself. But when you begin to set out on a vision or a dream, I just kind of thought that God was going to open the heavens and things would happen and miracles would fly off the right and the left. And guess what? That didn't happen. And every time I would get a prophetic word, for some reason, all hell broke out. Anybody ever have that happen? Or am I the only one on the planet that ever happens? All hell breaks out. And I said, you know what? I don't think I want my dream anymore. In fact, I don't even think I want my vision anymore. I actually said that as a pastor. Because you know what? There's a lot of people that reject you. There's a lot of people that hurt you. You do your best to reach out to love people, to help people, and they bam you back. And then the Lord began to say, Ray, what are you in this for? Is it for you or is it for me? And I had to really think about that. What am I really serving God for? Amen? Boy, it's awful quiet in here. You know, because I, well, I, I thought that God's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. How many of you remember the story of Joseph when God gave Joseph his dream? Remember the dream? He had two dreams. One dream was that his star was the brightest and his brothers were the lowest and his bushel was the biggest and all the other bushels bowed down. And you know what? His big mouth, everyone say big mouth. His big mouth, what? Got him into trouble. Do you know when you start sharing your dreams, it might get you into trouble? Yeah, but pastor, what's a dream? It was the dream God gave me. How many of you know it's good to let God do the promoting and not yourself? I wonder if Joseph, when he was in Potiphar's house or in prison, probably would have thought like this. I mean, this is the way I would have thought. You know what, God? It was not fair that you gave me the dream when I was so young and immature. Had I grown up a little bit, I would have kept my mouth shut. And then I wouldn't be where I'm at. My brothers wouldn't hate me. By the way, you know when the favor of God's on you? People will hate you. People will sell you out. Not only will that, they will put you in prison. And then they will write you off and forget you. Here's my point. Favor, this is not my phrase. This actually, I took this from T.D. Jakes, which I thought was great. He said this. He has a message entitled, Favor's Not Fair. Favor isn't fair. But God intends to let you know that favor 
is also a process. Everyone say process. God gives me a dream, and then He begins to start us on a process to prepare us to be a blessing for others. The dream in the vision that God gives you is not for you. Remember what Joseph said to his brothers when his brothers came back to him and he was the second command. The Bible actually said that, that Joseph actually became a father to Pharaoh. There was such a powerful influence and there was such humility and there was such an amazing grace upon on his life. But through the 17, 18 years of being forgotten and rejected and cast off, Joseph rises to the top. It all starts with a dream and a vision. And yet, he did not have any remorse or bitterness towards his brothers. In fact, he said, you know what? You meant it for evil. But God. Everyone say, but God. You know that you're coming into fulfillment when you can talk to people that hate you, despise you, reject you, and say, you know what? You meant it for evil. But God. God meant it for good so that He could use me to help other people. Now Joseph started out immature, big mouth. He's just sharing what he saw. How many of you know dreams sometimes are ridiculous? How many of you know not all dreams are from God? Sometimes, I, I, I actually had a dream like this. I had a dream that I won the lottery. I woke up and I felt so blessed. Now, I do want you to know, God is my witness, I did not go out. The Lord didn't give me any numbers in my dream. I just dreamt I, 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 I uh, uh, won the lottery. And uh, I don't know why I dreamt that, but I just dreamt I won the lottery. And uh, then I begin to understand Ecclesiastics 1 and 2, where a man by the name of Solomon, who really had the lottery, had everything he wanted, the Bible says at the end of his life, he comes to the end, he says, all is chasing the wind in all his vanity. So having all the wealth, whatever he laid his eyes on, whatever he claimed, whatever he wanted, he gave himself, he could do anything. God gave him the power to have anything he wanted. It was his dream. But you know, his dream turned into a nightmare. And not only that, what he wanted, he started well, asking God for wisdom, but he ended bad. Because Solomon's heart turned away from the Lord and the idols and the daughters of Pharaoh turned his heart against the Lord. You find this in 2 Kings 11. But dreams, dreams are given by God. God gives us dreams. Sometimes dreams are intended to open our hearts and open our minds. And I want, I want everyone to say reality. God wants to bring a shift in your reality. The purpose of it is to bring you from one reality. And what is your, our present reality? We relate right now to what we see, how we feel, what's reasonable and logical, how people relate to us or how we relate to them. That's our reality. And we live life in the reality of how we are being treated or how life relates to us or our circumstances. But the purpose of the dream 
is to bring you from an objective reality into a subjective reality because God's intent and plan is to birth supernatural activity in your life. And He does it through dreams. When God began to give Noah a dream, a vision, He told him to build a boat in the middle of a desert. Hundreds of miles from water. How many of you know that might be a bad dream? But it was God. God tells Joseph about the dream. David got a dream because Samuel anointed him and told David that he was going to be king. His brothers rejected it. God said, you're going to be the king. Guess no, there was no fanfare. Nobody had a party. Usually when you anoint a king, you celebrate the new guy coming in. But you know, Samuel had to go by night to the house of Jesse to anoint him because he knew Saul was still alive and Saul wanted to kill David. When you have a dream, there's going to be people that are going to try to kill your reputation. They're going to try to kill your ministry. They're going to try to kill your faith. They're going to try to take your testimony. They're going to try to destroy your vision because they have a spirit on them and it's a spirit of fear and they're threatened and God wants to break that on their life. But you must fight it not with the weapons of our hands, but with love. We don't war against flesh and blood, amen? We refuse to fight battles like that. We need to learn that when God, if God's going to birth a vision and a dream in my life, it's going to be tested. You know what? When I started this series on the Kingdom Culture Initiative, the reason why this is my fifth message on the Kingdom Culture, we need to be dreamers because here's the thing. God wants to begin to touch your thought life, in your imagination, even on your job, in your home, about your children. When God speaks to you, it's not, you're not, you may not see the clouds open up. You may not have a visitation from an angel. You may not have some person standing in the middle of your room or saying something. It may come just in the form of a tiny little thought, just a still, small voice. God may speak to you. God may speak to somebody that you wouldn't even expect a word from. It may even come from a child. Three things that you can test that a vision or a dream is from God. You write these things out. Three things that you know a vision is from God. Number one, the dream or vision always draws you closer to His presence and to the Lord. It always brings you closer and draws you closer to Him. Number two, the second thing that you know the dream is from God, and this is scriptural, is the dream will always involve serving others. If the dream is about building your personal empire, look at me. Look, 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 look what I've done. Praise God. Look, 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 look at me. Look, 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 look. That's not a dream from God. That's what Satan did. Look at me. But a person who has a dream from God wants to touch others. The third thing about a dream, it's really important, is this. Is the dream is intended to change and transform your reality and how you view life, and even this, how you view impossible problems. God wants to give you a dream. Amen? I want you to see something here. Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, verse 7. 
The Lord began to speak to me about dreams and visions. In fact, this week, God gave me two visions. I'm not a man who shares visions and dreams very much because I know I've had many dreams that were not from the Lord. But these two dreams that I had this week, I woke up, and one of the ways that I knew it was from the Lord is when I woke up out of my bed, the unbelievable, I mean, I'm going to use the word Shekinah, was in my bedroom. It was phenomenal. But it was a dream that did not make sense. And when I tell you, you're going to laugh your head off. In fact, I almost came to church dressed like the dream I saw. And you guys would have said, you know, Pastor Ray has really lost his marbles. When I tell you the dream, you you will not believe it. But the Lord gave me a dream two nights ago. But here Jesus is about ready to ascend, and it's in Acts chapter 1, 7, verse 8. Jesus said this. He says, you're to tarry in Jerusalem. Do not leave Jerusalem, verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to to me into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. It's interesting that when Jesus ascended, according to the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians, 500, 500 saw Jesus ascend. But guess what? Ten days later, the day of Pentecost, only 120 were in the room. My question is, where was the rest of the 380 people and why weren't they in the prayer? Because notice it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, that when they were all together in one accord and in one place. That's a prayer meeting. Well, I don't like to go to prayer meetings because I don't get to do what I want to do anymore. You know what? There's a purpose in collective prayer. How many of you want to see the heavens open? God opens the heavens where there's unity. It says they were in one accord and in one place. Now, it's good to have prayer in your, prayer, in your home life. It's good to have prayer in your car. It's good to pray. Pray all day long. We can pray. But there is a purpose in the church for collective prayer. Well, I don't like the leader. It's okay. God may use the weak and the foolish things to confound your wisdom. I've not always liked the prayer meetings. I haven't, sometimes I've walked away and said, I just didn't get anything out of prayer. You know why I didn't get anything? Because I had a bad, stinking attitude. How many of you attitude determines everything? It really determines your maturity. Sometimes God will allow you to go through a waiting process, and He's simply watching you. Because, let me tell you something. When He brings you into the place where the dreams and the visions are fulfilled. Higher levels means greater devils. And unless you can't handle the footmen, how are you going to deal with the horsemen? How are you going to handle the bigger battle? So God will test us in the smaller arenas. See, sometimes God will start you out with a small dream. Guess what that dream might be? Somebody comes up to you and says, Will you teach A Sunday school class. That's not my dream. That's not my dream. Praise God. God's called me to the nations. I wasn't called to teach a Sunday school class. What if that word is from the Lord? I want you to teach third graders. that's, That's not for me. Sometimes God may ask you to just feed the sheep. Like David, David was anointed to be king, had a dream, 
a vision put in his life, he goes back and he tends to the flock. No one's given him any high fives. No one said, hey, what a, what a powerful prophetic word over you, brother David. Whoa, you're going to be our king. I guess we're all going to be starting to bow down to you, aren't we? Nobody was doing that with David. They were saying, David, get out there and feed those sheep. You know, every time you get a dream and a vision, and you start making a move, the devil gets angry. Do you hear what I'm saying? You may say, Pastor, well, what are you talking all about? Because when Jesus said you need power, do you know what the power is for? The power is not for miracles, raising the dead, healing the sick, casting out devils, devils because Jesus already gave them that authority back in Matthew 10. I don't need power to raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out demons. We've already got the power. Jesus already anointed His disciples to do that. Guess what the power is for? The power is so you can endure. The power is so that you can begin to love people. The power is so that you can be able to patiently endure things that are contrary and are contradictions to the things you're going to. Do you know the greatest miracle is not getting healing, raising the dead? The greatest miracle that took place is Jesus dying on the cross and not saving Himself. That took power. I need power to be patient. I need power to love my enemies. Why well, I'm not getting a lot of amens here. The power, Jesus already knew. He says, I've already given you power and authority over heaven and earth. Raise the dead, heal the sick. That, that's supposed to be a norm in, in the kingdom. But the power that Jesus was giving them was power so that they would be able to be a witness. When does my witness count? When does my witness count? To be a witness to Jesus. When does the witness really count? It's when people see your life. It's not, it's not what they see you do in the sense of just, oh, wow, healing the sick, raising the dead. People are running after signs all the time. Do we believe in signs and wonders? Absolutely. Jesus said signs will follow. But that's not our pursuit. Our pursuit is Jesus. Our pursuit is to have Him, the image of Jesus, transformed in us. And so when Jesus is saying, you shall receive power, I want you to jump back with me really quickly to Luke chapter 5. Notice what Jesus said about this power. And this is critical. Mark, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, really important text. Luke chapter 5, verse 37. You know the text. And I'm going to come into the middle because of time. It says, no one puts new wine into old wine skins else the new wine will burst the wineskin and be spilled, and the wineskins will be ruined. Notice what he's concerned about. The wine, which represents the power and the message of the kingdom and the power of the Holy Spirit, the life of God inside of you, which all of you possess right now. If you're saved and redeemed, you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, all heaven and the atmosphere and the life of God, the influence dwells in you. You have authority. 
And how many of you know that your authority does no good? You know what? I have keys. I don't have them on me, but I have keys. And guess what keys do? Keys open doors and they lock doors. And you know what? It doesn't do any good if you don't use your keys. So when Jesus was referring to the new wine, He was speaking about a life. But He says this new wine, this life, this influence, this new kingdom culture... It's a kingdom culture. What is our culture? Our culture is what we believe, what we see, what we feel, our ideals, our views, our thoughts. Jesus says in this culture, this new wine will not work with an old wine skin. In other words, when God begins to give you dreams and visions, if your wine skin is not flexible, guess what? The Holy Spirit will be limited. But not only limited, it will destroy the wineskin. Jesus says three things about the wine. Number one, wine expands. Everyone say expands. How many of you know sometimes God puts us into situations to expand us? We have to love one another. We have to believe that God can use a brother or sister. We can't say to the foot, I don't need the foot. I don't need the nose or the ear. I like, I like the hand better than the foot and the ear. I don't need them, but I need them. How many of you know that's a limited wineskin? A new wine is flexible. It says, you know what? I see good in you. I see good in you. I see God's best in you. You're going to be an awesome mountain-moving, giant-killing person. You're going to, your prayers are going to be answered. There, I see things happen. See, a new wine is always expanding, growing, increasing, believing, speaking, allowing, declaring, thinking bigger than I am. The new wine will not fit into a wineskin that says, that's not going to happen here. I don't see any good in you. That's a limited, narrow fearful, bondage-bound stronghold in some people. God can't work a dream in their life. Because if the dream and vision God ever gives us is going to be birth of God, God's going to put you in the midst of brothers who may hate you. But guess what? They're part of the plan to promote you. Everyone say, my enemies are there to help me go higher. Ooh! Ooh, I reject that in Jesus' name. I run from those people. No, the brothers of Joseph was part of the plan to promote Joseph. But yet, when we get a dream, I hear somebody, God, give me a dream. Hey, man, I'm going to make some money. I'm going to be blessed financially. Praise God. Oh, God's given me a dream. Whoa. Oh, wow, I'm moving up. Praise God. Those are great declarations, by the way. And they're important declarations. You're moving up. You should be increasing my wineskin. But guess what? That new wine is going to expand that wineskin. And that wineskin, what is my wineskin? My wineskin is my thoughts, my opinions, my ideas, my values, my beliefs, my views. How many of you believe God wants to bring increase? John the Baptist said something so powerful. He said, I must decrease so he can increase. If I'm going to increase, I must de- Well, what, what does that mean? Well, God may give you a boss. 
God, I can't work with this man. He's unfair. Discrimination, discrimination in Jesus' name. God said he was going to bless me. God was going to bring in. This man is a hindrance in Jesus' name. I rebuke him. I cast him into hell for Jesus' name. Time out. That's not kingdom culture. Kingdom culture says, Father, bless him. I pray for those, Lord, who despitefully use me and abuse me and say all manner of evil against me falsely. I pray for them, and I believe, God, you're going to bless and open the heavens for those people. You just, what you just did right there is you just set yourself up for, for promotion. Yeah, but pastor, I just, I, just, I just don't feel it. Then you're not ready for promotion. God can't entrust you with it. Because if he puts you there, I love what Bill Johnson says, God doesn't keep things from you. He keeps it for you. There's times that God keeps us. You know what? I have three sons. And one of my sons could not wait to turn 15 so he could drive. But he didn't start at 15. He started at about 8. Dad, let me drive the car. And I let him drive down the alley. We almost didn't make it down the alley. I had a one-ton dually at the time, and I let him drive. He was on my lap. I wasn't down on Shiloh, but I let him drive down the alley. Actually, I let him drive around the parking lot here at the church. Just wanted to drive the car. Just wanted to the feel of power. Well, I've never said this to this day, but he actually ran into one of our islands out there. Thank God, not the light, but he hit an island. Now, I'm all for that guy, kid. I want him to have the keys. I want him to drive the car. That was his dream. But guess what? The dream was bigger than his ability to comprehend and to be responsible for what God wanted to put into him. How many of you know God has something much greater than what, we can, what, we're, we're, what we're ready for, actually? How you respond determines the next phase, because I want you to understand that the plan of God, the plan of God, listen to me, the plan of God is like climbing steps. I need to take a step. God begins to reward me there. But guess what? There's another problem. There's a wall there. Now i got to trust God for this step. I thought I made it, Lord. I thought I graduated. I got, I got this step. I went through this problem. Well, why is it there breakthrough? He gives you this season of refreshing to prepare you for the next season. So now he says, now I want you to trust me and take the next step. Now some people choose to just stay here. Let me tell you what this stage is. This is the baby diaper stage. This is the baby stage. This is his, Daddy, change my diapers. Daddy, feed me. Daddy, why don't you do this for me? Mommy, why don't you do this for me? I, I, don't, I don't think the pastor's calling me enough. I don't think the pastor's doing this now. I don't think, I, I just want this. I want that. I want this. I want. How many of you believe God wants us to grow up and say, I need to start feeding myself. I need to start growing in God. Good preaching, Pastor Ray. Amen. I'm a, got a blessed help. Lord, thank you. In Jesus' name. 
I'm not looking for any accolades. I'm really not. But I just know that when visions and dreams come, let me show you something. And I've got to move quickly. It says that you can't put new wine skins. Three things. New wine expands. Number two, new wine destroys. Jesus said that the new wine will destroy the wineskin. Jesus was concerned about the wineskin. Listen, no minister should force something on people that are not ready to take it. We should be patient enough with people, even if they reject things that we believe they should have. I should love people, even though they don't, and they may not be at the level, they may not be at the place, and they may flat out just completely reject what I think they should have. I am still to love them because Jesus is interested in not destroying old wineskins. Did you hear what I said? You may say, I've heard pastors, preachers do this. You know, it's too bad those kind of churches. They're just kind of stuck in the mud. Just God, the clouds moved on from that church. What a negative, horrible curse to say over people. We don't say that over people. We don't curse people because they don't believe and buy into our theology and our new wine concept. No, you know what we do? We bless them anyway. I want to have ministries. I'm right now, right now, right now, I am working with different ministries in different streams. I haven't done this for 25 years. I'm now working with different ministries to bring them together out of different streams. They don't walk in the same flow and DNA as our church. But listen, boy, they got dreams. We have dreams. But one thing we all have is Jesus. And we want to come together to magnify the unity of the body so the world, John 17, so we can fulfill the prophetic prayer that Jesus prayed in John 17 that the world may know it was the prayer of unity and if we can't get along here we can't do anything out there and so we fight and we argue and we conjure up vain imaginations and we're not bringing it under the authority of Jesus I cast down evil imaginations. I break the powers of Satan that would cause division because I want to see the vision and the prayer of Jesus fulfilled in the earth. He didn't ask you to love one another because they like you. He didn't ask you to love one another because they agree with you. He didn't ask you to love one another because, well, I just like them because they kind of feed my ego. No, He asked you to love people that were opposite of you. I got five minutes and I will be done. Amen. Let's come. Power. Acts 10. Acts 10. God tells Peter to go to the house of Cornelius. The years have gone by since the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. Pentecost has come, people spoke in tongues, gifts, the church was growing. The Bible says the Word of God was magnified. The church was blow, growing and exploding. Things were happening. And then all of a sudden, Peter gets hungry, and he's on a rooftop one day. He falls into a trance, and he has a vision of four sheets. By the way, the number four represents the earth, which represents an all-redemptive call or purpose. The, four, the number four represents the four corners of the earth. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 41, the north, the east, the south, and the west. In other words, God's plan is a redemptive person that includes all races, kindred, tribes, and nations. His desire is redemptive around the world. When the four sheets descended, what was in the sheets 
were, were uh, uh, animals that were considered by Leviticus 11. If you go back into Leviticus chapter 11, there was these unclean animals. They were dietary laws that God gave to the nation of Israel under the Old Covenant so that Israel would not harm and hurt their bodies. They were dietary laws. The problem was, though, is that Israel began to translate those dietary laws into relational things where if they eat crocodile, they are unclean. God says, no, the people are not unclean. The animal that they're eating was unclean. But what they did is they took the law and they begin to extend it into something that it really wasn't meant to be. That's why they came under what we know today as legalism. But God's plan and purpose was to reach the world. So God takes the most unbelievable apostle. If I was the Holy Spirit, I would not have chosen Peter to go, Mr. Big Mouth, Mr. Insensitive, the guy who put his foot in his mouth to go be the negotiator and be the one who reaches people. God sends the most... I would have chosen Andrew or John. Sweet, nice people. But God sends the one guy that most people would not like. And he sends him, I want you, Peter, to go and be a voice to these people. And he goes and he lets down these sheets. And you know what's amazing? Here Peter's raising the dead. He just raised, uh, in Joppa, he just raised Dorcas from the dead. Same chapter. Acts chapter 10. Just raised her from the dead. And the Lord says, I want you to arise and kill and eat. And you know what Peter says to God? No, I won't. Here's Peter the apostle telling God, nope, not going to happen. How many here, don't raise your hands, but I'll raise mine. Has Ray ever said no to God? I've said no to God so many times, and God says, you'll learn, Ray. You'll learn to say yes. Guess what? God was so merciful, he gives him the vision three times. God always works with Peter three times. Three times this thing descends. And Peter... All of a sudden, he gets, he, it finally begins to sink in. God wants me to eat unclean things. He wants me to associate. See, eating is connected with covenant. And I don't want to get into that. But when you begin to eat with people, what you're doing is you're saying, I am sharing my life, I'm giving my substance, and I'm actually including you into my covenant family. That's what it meant to eat. Four elements of the covenant. The oath the sacrifice, the uh, meal, as well as the, uh, the ritual of the blood. The four elements of the covenant. And so he, he underst- Peter understands this, but he's hung up on the law. And the Lord says, I want you to go to this Italian guy and I want you to have some pizza with this guy. And notice, I, I've often said the Lord spoke to him three times. I'm, I was wrong. As I went down the chapter, it says that God spoke to him another time. It says that the Spirit of the Lord moved up on Peter, and God says, two men are seeking for you, and when you go, you are to go, and you are to doubt nothing. Now keep in mind, Peter was the one who got up at the day of Pentecost when everybody began to mock and were confused, and the Bible says they were perplexed, and some were amazed by the outpouring. How many of you remember Acts chapter 2? 
There are six responses to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Peter gets up on the day of Pentecost and says, This is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel, that I will pour out my Spirit upon your sons and your daughters, and they will prophesy, and they will have visions and dream dreams, and prophesy to the nations. It's great to be in church when you can give an awesome prophecy like that. And then guess what God does? He sends them to the house of Cornelius. Guess what, Peter? I know you prophesied the word. Now I'm going to test it with you. He sends him to a guy that he can't stand. How many of you know that's part of the preparation of the vision? Why? Don't shout me down here. God sends him to a man, Cornelius. And Peter, in Acts chapter 10, makes this profound statement. This is Peter's introduction to Cornelius. I'm, I'm amazed by what he says. It's in verse 28. He says this. I mean, this is, Peter just comes into the house and Cornelius bows and he starts worshiping Peter. Says, Peter says, get up, I'm a man like you. But this, this is the introduction. You talk about insensitive. This is what Peter says to Cornelius. This guy hungry for God, fears God, gives alms to the poor and says, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or to go into one another's house or nation, but God showed me. Everyone say, but God. Can you imagine going to someone's house and say, you know what, you're not supposed to be here. Boy, I just turn around, I'm okay, I got it. I mean, how many of you know that sometimes God uses people that doesn't use a whole lot of tact? Uh, by the way, I'm not saying that to justify being sloppy or being mean. But here God uses Peter and he says, but God has showed me that I should not call any man common or clean. Therefore, I came without objection. Now that actually is not true. Peter actually lied. He says, I came without objection. What, a time out? You lied three times. You said no to God. But yet Peter says to Cornelius, I came without objection. Peter lied. He didn't come without objection. He had serious objection. But he tells Cornelius, I came without objection. You know what I'm seeing here? I'm not seeing or making excuse for what Peter did, but I'm seeing God's grace move in spite of Peter. How many of you know God will still move in spite of you? How many of you know God will still move in spite of you? Do you know what this story is all about? It wasn't just saving Cornelius in his house. The purpose of Peter going to his house was not just to bring salvation and the redemptive story, but it was to heal Peter. How many of you know sometimes God wants to heal the messenger, not just the hearer? God was trying to say, you know, Peter, I love you. I've been using you. You've been raising the dead, healing the sick, all this, but I want to use you I want to expose some things in your heart. And I gave you a vision and a dream. And the vision and the dream was not what he was expecting. Oh, he was fulfilling part of the vision, raising the dead, healing the sick. The Bible says that even the shadow of Peter upon the sick on the sidewalks made such an impact and an influence. But here's what happens. Peter begins to minister, and they get saved, they speak in tongues, and then they baptize them with water, and the glory of God just fills the house. How many of you know God can do that with us? He can do this. 
in, in closing, I want to just share with you one of my dreams that I had this past week, and I'm done. For some reason, I was on a 747, and I was flying to Germany. I have no idea in my dream why I was going to Germany. But I was going to Germany in my dream. And while we landed in some city in Germany, we're getting off the plane, and I noticed that when I got off the plane, I was missing a shoe. And I walked off, and I'm walking in my dream without a shoe on. And I get off. And so when all the people got off, I told the stewardess, I need to go back and find my other shoe. And so she said, go ahead. So I went back on the plane, and I could not find my shoe anywhere. My shoe was gone. Now, for me, I think I have two legs and two feet, and I need two pair of shoes. And I landed in Germany. For what reason? I have no idea. I'm in Germany, and I'm in there, and I'm walking around with one shoe. And I am getting upset. So I'm walking down, and then a young woman comes up to me, and she says, are you Mr. Galligan? I said, yes, I am. Who are you? She says, your hotel is over there. She pointed to this hotel. She said, follow me. Follow me, I'll take you to your hotel. In the dream, I didn't even know I was with a group, but evidently I was with a group. I, so I'm following this young lady. She was a young lady to this hotel. Then she tells me to stop. Stop right now, we need to pray. Okay, and I'm still walking with no shoe on. One shoe on, and it was kind of a loafer shoe that I had, not cowboy boots. But I had this other foot with a sock on. It, craziest dream in my brain. No shoe on, and I'm walking, and this girl says, we need to stop and pray. And then all of a sudden, some young people begin to gather around us, and we're praying. When we're done praying, guess what? I open my eyes, and my, foot, my other foot has a shoe on. But that wasn't the weird part. It was a different shoe. I had a loafer on one side, but this is going to really sound strange. So don't read into this. But it had a heel on it. I had a heel and a loafer. So I'm walking in my dream like this. And I'm thinking, after this girl prayed, I, I got a shoe, but it doesn't match the other side. And so in my dream, I'm walking to the hotel. I woke up. End of the dream. But here's the interesting thing. The presence of God was in my bedroom two nights ago. Just, I, I just started weeping. My wife woke up and said, Ray, are, are, are you okay? I said, Carol, I had the strangest dream. I, d I don't know what it means. And I told Carol the dream. She says, you are weird. You, you are strange. I said, Carol, I don't know what it is. I, I, I'm not given to subjective. Things. See, sometimes God will do things like, how many of you know that God may speak to you to do things like he did with Ezekiel to go cook your food over manure? How many of that would be strange? Or how about if God ever asked you to go and turn and have a burning bush speak to you in the middle of the de desert that you're to be a deliverer? How many of you know that kind of a vision or dream is strange? Throughout the day, I was thinking about my shoes. And I, began to, I started doing a study on shoes and sandals and everything about feet. And I mean, I just studied all this thing about feet. And the Lord began to say, close your Bible. 
and just wait on me. And I said, Lord, what is, is this of you or not? This is crazy. The Lord began to speak to me. He says, I want you to understand there's going to be times where you are walking and following me. And I'm going to ask you to do things that are outside of the limitations of your wineskin and outside the limitations of your logic. You know, when you walk, you put one foot and weight on one side and you put another weight on the other. And you know shoes have different purposes. Sometimes you have loafers. Sometimes you have flip-flops. Sometimes you have tennis shoes. Sometimes Different shoes for different reasons. But God says, I want you to realize there's going to be times when I'm going to ask you to not just trust in your own understanding, but I want you to begin to believe that I'm going to change some things up. And though it looks not, it doesn't look natural, it's what I want you to walk in faith in. That's what the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. Second dream, and I'm done. It was the same night. I'm in the dream, and a man comes over by my neck, takes me by the back of my neck, and lifts me up and throws me on my face. And I thought, that's not nice. I'm literally on my face. But this man, I could tell, wasn't, it wasn't a normal man. He's speaking some prayer. I couldn't understand it, couldn't hear it. But I, I felt the hand on the back of my neck. After a while, I tried to get up. And he says, don't move. Stay on your face before me. Then I woke up. That was it. And the Lord began to speak to me about the importance of just coming before him and waiting on him and not getting up too quick and too soon. You stay there until he speaks. Now, what I shared this morning is purely subjective. It's crazy. I almost wore two pair of shoes. But you know what? God may want to bring a shift in our life. Amen? Visions and dreams are not easy to interpret. In fact, sometimes God doesn't want you to interpret it. He just wants you to believe Him. Stop trying to figure everything out and just follow Him. Amen? Let's bow our heads. God wants to give this church new wine but the wineskin has to be flexed. It has to be increased. And he does it by grace. He does it by his love. He worked with disciples that had their own agenda, but he flexed them. God's going to give you some dreams that are going to be strange. They're going to be outside of the box of your own understanding, outside of the limitations of logic, rationale, reason. He's going to speak to you with a new reality. But you've got to learn to let go. Let go of issues of what you're holding on to. And allow the Holy Spirit to breathe something fresh in your life. Visions and dreams are coming. Visions and dreams are coming. Some of you have already got visions. Some of you have had dreams and visions and you've cast them off. You said that can't be of God. It's 
crazy. It's ridiculous. I'm here to tell you this morning, these things are from the Holy Spirit. He's breathing on you. He's breathing on you. Don't ever cast it off. Don't ever reject it. Write it down. Believe God for the greatest. Amen? As your heads are bowed, maybe this morning you may say, Pastor Ray, I need a vision and a dream restored in my life. God has given me a dream and a vision, but I just have put that off. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you right now. God has given you a dream. I see that hand. Anyone else? Anyone else? The Lord has given me a dream, a vision, but I let it go. Sometimes the enemy comes in like a flood and says, God can't work in you. God can't work with you. Somebody might have declared a negative curse over your life. You don't have to receive that curse in Jesus' name. You can cast off a curse. Somebody says, I don't like you. You can cast that curse off. Jesus loves you. He cares about you. We love you. We care for you. You don't have to receive that in Jesus' name. Father, we pray right now. I pray for that hand, that individual. I thank you, Father, that you're a God who opens the eyes and opens the ears and the hearts, even like John in Revelation. Lord, you sat him on his feet like Daniel. Lord, he was prostrate before the Lord, and yet he heard and saw things in the heavens that he did not understand. Even at times, visions and dreams actually made him sick. For days he was sick because it was so astonishing. Father, I pray right now that you would just continue to blow upon us. Breathe upon us. Move upon us in Jesus' name. We break every lie of the enemy right now over your people that would limit dreams and visions, that would limit their faith, that would limit, Lord, what you can do in their lives. Lord, I pray that our reality and our understanding would shift from what is natural to supernatural, that we would begin to see that the Goliath, that that wall of Jericho that is before us is intended to fall as we shout to it. That, Lord, we will not be reluctant to use a slingshot to bring down a giant. Father, you put a sling in our hands, something that Saul and his armies thought could never be done rejected by the natural man, but yet the Lord used it as an anointing, as a weapon to bring down something powerful. Lord, I ask you right now to just open the windows of our imagination, our understanding, and recognize that the favor and the life of God rests upon us in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. How, how many of you know you're going higher? Increase is coming on every level in your life. We are not going backwards. We're moving ahead. Amen? Miracles, it's more than miracles. The main miracle is the healing of a broken heart. God's healing our hearts. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. I'm going to pray right now over our barbecue so you can dive right in. By the way, I've seen some of these slabs of meat. If you don't stay, ooh boy, you're missing it. This barbecue is amazing. And uh, the potato salad, the chips, and man, all the vegetables and all that stuff. We're going to have a good time. We're going to pray over that in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you. Lord, we just pray that as we bless our young people going to their youth ministry this summer, Lord, we pray the finances will come in to ease the burden on families. Lord, we pray you bless our time. 
Bless our fellowship. Bless this barbecue, Lord. We ask You to be with us as we go to Legend Oaks this afternoon at 3. Father, we just pray that the rain of heaven would come and descend upon these grandparents and fathers and mothers and those that are mentally going through some mental and emotional struggles. We just pray that heavens will open upon their lives. In Jesus' name. Give someone a hug in Jesus' name. God bless. Let's go and have time together. In Jesus' name.